Thank you, Hannah. Good morning, everyone. Uh, what a great privilege and joy to be able to come together this morning to give praise to God, to hear his word, and to prepare ourselves for what could only be the most extraordinary event in the history of the world, uh, the birth of our Saviour. Uh, let's ask God to truly bless the word we've heard read out to us this morning. Father in heaven, all glory and praise to you be forever and ever. A wonderful Father who is close to us and full of splendour. Lord, we confess today we are in great need of your work of grace to continue to lead us into your glory. Have mercy upon us. Father, help me this morning to set before your people the things of you in such a way that the Holy Spirit will take this word and leave none of us untouched. Please give me the grace to open up the sorrows of your people and to set before them the most cons comforting consideration that none of us would leave, Lord, without knowing your blessing. Father, hear our prayer this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I brought a fiberglass boat. Now, when you go to buy a fiberglass boat, the most important thing to check is something which you call the transom. The transom is located at the very back of the boat. It's a fiberglass structure, uh, and it's um, it's it's where the, the outboard engine is mounted on. That's the transom. Now, the reason why it's so important to check the transom is that on the outside, it can look great, like strong. The fiberglass can look, you know, in perfect order. But inside the fiberglass, the wood can be rotten and soft. So when I inspected the, the boat, I, um, I, I did my research. I knew how to check the transom. You've got to tap it to make sure the wood's all solid. And I uh, did all that, and everything seemed good, so we bought the boat with much joy, might I add. Unfortunately, I was not as thorough as I should have been because what actually eventuated was that the wood inside the transom on certain parts was soft. It was weak, and the real problem is it was unable to safely hold the weight of the engine. Now, I think this is a good description of our lives. It certainly describes my life. We have this idea, we look at ourselves and sometimes we look at other people. And we think we're strong enough to hold the weight of our lives. You know, we, we think we're strong enough to weight, hold the weight of our broken souls, uh, the weight of our broken minds, uh, the weight of our broken hearts, uh, the weight of our broken bodies. But in reality, we are weak, uh, more than any of us realise, and in fact, more than we're willing to really accept. Uh, let me give you some examples. There are times in my life when I think my faith is strong. Right? But then the Lord tests my faith through hardships and trials. And it soon becomes apparent to me that at best, at best, my faith is full of feebleness. Or, or there are times when I think I know much about the things of God. I've been to Bible college, no less. 
But then I'm confronted with the complexities of life and relationships and I soon realise that at best, at best, my knowledge of God is full of ignorance. Or there are times in my life when I think I'm living the Christian life well. But then this temptation comes along or I'm confronted with spiritual attacks and I soon realise that at best, at best, my strength is riddled with weakness. How can we carry the weight of our broken lives when our faith is feeble, our knowledge is full of ignorance and our strength is truly inadequate? Let me take you to the passage we read this morning. We heard that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, telling her she will conceive of a baby, a child, who will be called the Most High and will rule forever. Mary has a question. She's uncertain as to how she's able to conceive a baby when she's not only unmarried, she's a virgin. Mary has not been given any instructions and she simply wants to know how will this be. Mary is in the presence of the angel Gabriel. If you read in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel appears three times. Earlier on we are told that Gabriel lives in the presence of God serving him. And the answer that the angel gives to Gabriel is nothing short of extraordinary. Look at verse 35. And the angels answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Then Gabriel calls Mary's attention to a relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth, with her husband Zachariah, had been praying for a baby for many years, but they'd long given up praying due to them becoming pensioners. Gabriel declares that she, who is not only barren, but is old in old age, is six months pregnant. How is this possible? Gabriel, who stands in the presence of the almighty and eternal God, utters some of the most profound words in the whole of Scripture. Nothing is impossible with God. That's the answer to Mary's question. The power of God will overshadow you, Mary, and that power is so, so great, nothing is impossible with God. Please indulge me for a few moments and let me share with you God's power to do the impossible as it is seen in God becoming flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus. Just for a moment. How do we see that wonderful power make the impossible possible? Well, with the birth of the Christ child, the spiritual darkness that covered the earth for 4,000 years is suddenly lifted. Pardon and peace is thrown open to all mankind. The head of Satan is crushed. Liberty, freedom is proclaimed to a world that is in bondage to the misery and the pain of sin. And through this Christ child, recovery of sight to the spiritually blind will be given. God who is just 
for the sake of Christ Jesus will justify the ungodly. Those who believe in Jesus will die most certainly, but they will live in resurrection power forever. Salvation that up until this time had only been seen through types and figures like Noah's Ark and, and, and King David. Now salvation will be seen face to face in the person of Christ. The knowledge of God will be offered to the whole world. Do you see that the power of a Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary, bringing about the glorious incarnation, is a power of a God who makes the impossible possible. The antidote to our feeble faith, our ignorance, our weakness is found in those five words. Nothing is impossible with God. Because the mighty power of God that is manifested in the incarnation when God becomes flesh, through Christ, God makes the impossible possible. Do you know what this means for all of us here this morning? It is good news. While we are not strong enough to carry the weight of our broken hearts, our broken bodies, our broken minds and our broken souls, God is. The Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, he who comes in the power of the Holy Spirit, he is both willing and able to carry the weight of our broken lives. How so? Nothing is impossible with God. Let me give you some examples. In Christ, there is no sin too black or too bad that cannot be, be, be pardoned, forgiven and remembered no more. No sin. How so? Our God is the God of the impossible. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, I know this morning, our guilt, our shame, our fear runs so deep, doesn't it? It does. But remember, no longer will they, no longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I'll remember their sins no more, says the Lord. Christ carries away your sin as far as the east is from the west. He is the God of the impossible. Let me give you another example. Do you know this morning there is no trial too hard for you to bear or suffering too great for you to overcome? Do you realise that? How so? Our God is the God of the impossible. His grace is sufficient for us in every, every trial. I know from personal experience that some trials are terribly hard and some suffering runs so deep. The pain of betrayal, the grief that comes with loss, the guilt of inaction, fear of oppressors, And the demons of darkness themselves all cause us deep distress. But remember, 
The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, says the Lord. My sisters and brothers, Christ will carry us through every suffering and trial. Here's another example. In Christ, there is no heart too hard or wicked to be changed. How so? Our God is the God of the impossible. He can make the hard heart tender. I know that there are many of us here, including me, who are weighed down with a burden of our loved ones who don't know the Lord. Don't we weep before God in prayer? I do. Begging for the salvation. Sometimes we feel that our prayers are just ineffective. But remember, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their, heart, from their heart a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, says the Lord. Christ is able to save our loved ones. Or again, do you know that in Christ there is no promise too great not to be fulfilled? How so? Our God is the God of the impossible. He pro- his promises are sealed with the blood of Christ. There are many, many promises in the scripture that God makes, but one that I think gives us immense hope is where Christ says this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you realise that between now and next year, some of us here will die? I might die. It could very well be me. And while the thought of our impending death may raise uncertainty, fear and grief, please remember, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it, says the Lord. Christ will carry us from death to life because he is promised and his, his word will not return empty. Can you see this morning that the antidote to the feebleness and ignorance, ignorance and weakness and infir- infirmities that truly undermine our ability to carry the weight of our broken lives is found in the sovereign God? For the power of God that is made manifest in the incarnation, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with him. What is required of us? Let me read to you verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Uh, Surely here is one of the greatest examples of humility and faith we have in the whole of Scripture. I am the Lord's servant, Mary says. Such humility... Such willingness to look to God and rest in his authority and power. I trust in you, God, to do what you say in the power that will overshadow me, says Mary. Then she says, let it be to me according to your word. Such faith, such willingness to rest in the spoken word of God as given by angel Gabriel. My sisters and brothers, please this morning, don't pass this by. In Mary's response to the angel, we see an incredible example of humble faith. And this is the model we are to follow. It's Mary. I encourage you this morning, more than that, 
I urge you, in humility, trust in the power of God to carry the weight of all your brokenness. Trust in the power of God to increase your faith, to deepen your knowledge, to fill you with his strength. And in faith, believe the word of the, God, word of the Lord that he will do what he has promised, even though, from your perspective, it's humanly impossible. J.C. Ryle, he's the great, uh, in the 19th century, he was a bishop of Liverpool and arguably the, the greatest bishop the Church of England has ever had. Listen to what he says. And it's about, this is how he quotes about this passage we've read out this morning. Faith never rests so peacefully and calmly as it does when it lays its head on the pillar of God's, God's supremacy. This Christmas, rest your head on the pillow of God's supremacy. That's where your peace will be found. Because he is both willing and able to carry the weight of our broken lives. And it's by his supremacy, it's in his supremacy, we find the antidote to our feebleness, our ignorance and our weakness that burdens us all. In humility... Keep coming to Christ. And when you come to Christ, confess your utter emptiness. And then come and rest in his fullness, his righteousness, his holiness, his redemption, his wisdom. Rest in the Lord to lead you through your trials, my brothers and sisters. Rest in the Lord to lead you through your temptations, your pain, your suffering, your spiritual battles, your fears, your doubts, and even death itself, because nothing is impossible with God. Let me pray. Father, all glory to you today. We are but a speck of dust in the reality of the glory of your cosmos. Lord, in a hundred years, no one's going to remember us, but you do. We are just so thankful today that when we think of your goodness, it's infinite. When we think of your love, it's immeasurable. When we think of your grace, it's abounding. When we think of your promises, they're certain. And then when we think of your supremacy, Father, it has no limit. Father, in your mercy today, please, through the Holy Spirit, help us to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ ever more deeply, that our faith will ever rest more fully in him. Please lead us, Holy Lord, to live the heavenly life today, that the things and the glory of heaven will be more real to us than the things of this world that you may guide us through every aspect of our brokenness and hardships, trusting in your power and goodness, knowing that one day we will see you face to face and not only know our reward, but know the glory of being in your presence. Father, lead us through this Christmas in Christ's supremacy, we pray. Amen.